0: Um, We've been thinking quite a bit about the Jesus teaching on the kingdom of God and observing just how at the center and the core of Jesus teaching and preaching is this declaration of the kingdom of God. It's shot right through all of the Gospels. You can't miss it. We also observed and noticed how it's, it's fundamental to Paul's preaching, particularly the book of Acts makes it very clear at the very end that this is the message that Paul preached preached the kingdom of God and he taught about Jesus Christ and we thought about um, the centrality of this theme we also thought about how to use N.T. Wright's phrase the life of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus on the kingdom is very often the missing middle in terms of our thinking Um, whether that's the the way in which we respond to the creeds, whether that's the way in which we respond to the Christian calendar uh, of moving so quickly from Christmas to Easter The, the whole chunk of what was his life about what was that really about? And what, was that to say, does, what does that say to us about ethics? And is Jesus normative for the way in which we think about ethical living? Um, so we, we, we spent some time exploring that together. And we thought about the kingdom of God in a number of ways, about the royal rule of God or the reign of God declared in Jesus, uh, the teacher, the model, and the ambassador of that rule, what it means, what it looks like, what it means to live under God's reign, God's rule, God's authority, and how Jesus in his coming changes everything. His life, death, and resurrection declares that God is king, that God rules. But more than that, we also thought about how God was making his rule known through Jesus' life and ministry, through the people called to follow as disciples of Jesus, and then through Jesus' victorious death and resurrection. So that took us over Um, part of what we've been looking at. We went on to think about the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, the Sermon on the Mount is one of those occasions where it seems that Jesus gathers his disciples around him and others who want to hear and says, look, okay, here's how it actually works. When we talk about this kingdom, here's what it's like in practice. Here's the way it works as far as God is concerned. And we thought, first of all, of the Beatitudes and the way in which they are an expression um, of... God's approval resting upon those who are meek, poor in spirit, peacemakers, whatever. That The idea of it simply being happy is too light an idea, sometimes translated by some of the uh, contemporary versions. It, it's, a, it's a declaration of where God's approval and God's blessing actually rests. And Jesus is explaining to his disciples as he works through those Beatitudes, these are the, the virtues, these are the characteristics upon which the smile of God's approval rests. But we went further than that because we wanted to have a look at the way the Sermon on the Mount seems to work, not just in terms of the Beatitudes, but also the way in which the teaching of Jesus works. And uh, we developed some of the ideas that Glenn Stassen has been working on, who's also very involved in this whole just peacemaking theme. And very often we think of Jesus' teaching as a kind of twofold thing. You know, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And one of the observations that Glenn has made that's been really very helpful is that it's not just those statements, but the whole of the Sermon on the Mount works really in a threefold way, where Jesus says things like, you have heard that it was said, I say to you, and then there's an imperative, there's a practice, an action that Jesus encourages us to take, whether it's in using this particular form, you have heard, but I say so, or whether it's in the rest of his teaching, there seems to be this process where what Jesus does is he talks about, well, this is the way it generally works. This is what you've been given. Let me tell you where this leads you, that middle section. I say to you, this, this leads us into vicious cycles. This leads us into positions of hopelessness. So, here's what you need to do. And that seems to be the way the Sermon on the Mount works. And You could summarize it something like this, that living under God's rule works a bit like this. You take the initiative to change situations in keeping with those things of which God approves. And if you take together the Beatitudes, if you take what Jesus says at the very end about listening to his words and the wisdom of listening and doing what he says, and take the section in the middle, you find that this is not just about traditions, it's not just about what are good ideas, and it's not just about principles, it's about practices that Jesus sets in place, and that seems to be very much the way in which the Sermon on the Mount works. So we thought about the kingdom of God, we thought about the Sermon on the Mount, and then we opened up this idea of incarnational discipleship. The idea that the call to discipleship is to give flesh to what it means to follow Jesus. And We talked about quite a number of things, like the difference between simply a profession of faith and a kind of Christian vocation to live out the Christian life. Uh, and we observe just a number of passages of scripture as we were doing that. This is one of them, John 13, where Jesus says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. No servant is greater than his master. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And it's not just in the teaching of Jesus, but when you go to Paul, you get the same kind of thing, um, where the practices that demonstrate The giving flesh to what it means to follow Jesus are kind of spelt out pretty clearly at times. As God's chosen people, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility. Bear with each other. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And as John puts it, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and truth. And it doesn't really matter where you go in the New Testament. The, the call to follow Jesus is a call to embody in our lives the choices that we make, the actions that we take. The example of Jesus, the model that Jesus has set for us in demonstrating what it means to live under God's rule. In God's reign. Now in a few minutes that I think is a rough summary of a lot of the material that we've been looking at before we got to think about the practices of just peacemaking. I came across this week something which I thought would just make a really interesting way of moving from some of this into a time of communion together. It's a short video clip um, which is um, taken off the Fusion website. I think Fusion is a, a student, Christian student organization And it's kind of modeled, those of you who watch The Apprentice, I must confess I don't watch The Apprentice, um, but I know the format okay. I think it's kind of modeled a bit on that. This is what happened when um, a team of young people, or or a couple of them, were given the challenge to do something a little bit like the kind of thing it says in the Gospels. So let's see what happens.
1: (laughs) It's 6 a.m. I'm about to leave my house and go into town to surprise Pippa and Miriam. There's this bit in Luke 14 when Jesus tells this parable and he says there's a rich guy and he wants to throw a banquet and invite anyone who will come, literally anyone. Other people are too busy and so he invites anyone who will come. I'm going to surprise them by telling them that that's what they're going to do with their day today. They've got 12 hours to do that. See what happens. Hello. Welcome to your team day. This is me up here. Come and make your way to the X. I don't know whether you've sussed it, but I've got a surprise for you today. What you thought you were going to be doing is not what you were going to be doing. What you're actually going to be doing is, in 12 hours' time, or actually slightly under that, you're going to be throwing a banquet for anyone who will come. I'm basically standing here to take the mick out of myself because it's a little bit like Alan Sugar and The Apprentice. At 7.30 in the Belfry Hall... You are the hosts of a big banquet. And you have slightly less than 12 hours to arrange everything. So you've got 150 quid to get you going. You need to return that 150 quid to me by the end of the night. You can use it, but you need to fundraise for the whole thing and return that 150 quid. And you need to throw a banquet for anybody who will come. You've also got some gold coins, which are things that I have lined up for you but I'm not gonna tell you what they are. You have to find them.
2: Okay, so I've been given the challenge to throw a feast in York tonight with my mate Pippa. We've got eight hours to go. I've sat in Costa for about three. We've made a million phone calls. I keep getting rung by strangers asking to tag in. I'm aware I've gotta do something about health and safety. I need to contact the press. Somewhere along the line, I actually need to go and tell people about Jesus so they know he's inviting them to a feast. I'm not stressed, but I'm not totally calm. We just prayed, which is an important thing that we keep forgetting to do. I think God's gonna be fine with this. The are half So we've been down to Georgina's cafe on Petergate and they gave us nine slices of cake. Fillmore and Union gave us brownies and bread. A um, guy from the cheese shop gave us an entire wheel of brie. We've got banquet tables set out. We're gonna have loads of um, ornate decorations and balloons and fancy lights and it's gonna be epic. Starbucks have just turned up with lots of free coffee. The food is well underway. Um, people have been so ridiculously generous. Money is still coming in. We are blessing the socks off
1: people. A whole range of people are going to come along: homeless, students, old people, disabled.
2: You are so so welcome. Thank you very much. Good man. Woo! <laughs>
0: yeah. We're just an ordinary family walking. We saw the uh, the girls on the outside, and we're really moved and impressed with what you're doing here. Fabulous! It's nice to meet you. And it is so It's just
2: been brilliant and beautiful. It's been it's been absolutely phenomenal. It's been overwhelming. I've had incredible Jesus chats with. Uh, Guys that are just fully off their faces and uh, a bloke that said, I am the middle-class man that does not see the other side of society. Thank you for showing me tonight. There's been such a mixture of people here. So we've had, like, some homeless guys and on the next table are, a pair, like, two parents and their four-year-old kids. Students, Hungarians. I've had so many amazing conversations. My voice hurts. just told a story about inviting anyone and everyone and that's all we wanted to do, is throw a feast and invite anyone and everyone. It's been crazy good. Um, I can't thank any, everyone enough for the support, not only the guys here, but people on Twitter and Facebook and texting. He's done good. I've done good, says <laughs> Jacko.
0: Yep, they did good. But I was just really taken by this, you know, this idea of, um, I, I hate to use the word experimenting, but, but taking texts and taking gospel images and, and working with them and doing this kind of thing. And I was also taken by the fact that it's the banquet. And as we come to communion this evening, it's an invitation to a banquet. Now, I have to apologize in advance. We didn't contact Starbucks. and um, We didn't go down to the bakery. So what you have here is a pretty meager feed. But nevertheless, it's still a banquet, which Jesus invites us to. Uh, which he has spread, which he has set, and which is an invitation to come and to do this in remembrance of him. So that as we share together in bread and in wine, what are we doing? We're obeying Jesus Christ, who said, do this in remembrance of me. We're recalling the significance of his death on the cross, where he talks about this being a new covenant in my blood. And we're telling the story of the good news, proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes.